I'd encourage you to grab the blue card in front of you and write down some basic information so we can get to know you. On the back of the card, there's a place for prayer requests. Anyone can write a request down, and when the offering plate passes here in just a bit, drop the blue cards in there and we'll get them to the staff. Before we go any further in the service, we want to take just a minute and let you know a few things that are going on in the life of our church so you can know how to get involved. Our annual spring carnival is right around the corner. This is a time where we have a family carnival in our church. Literally hundreds of people from the community will come to our church and we need you to make it happen. There are a couple different things we need for you to do for this outreach. First, pray for it. Spend time asking God to bring people to our church and for this to help FBC make connections with the community around us. Second, invite your friends. This is a great opportunity for you to invite your friends, co-workers, neighbors, and family members. Third, volunteer to serve during the event. Outside the sanctuary, you'll find a sign-up sheet. Go sign up there to serve during a portion of the event and be a part of FBC impacting our community. Our annual Man Up Conference is coming up March 27th through 28th. This is a great weekend of hanging out and learning what biblical manhood is. There will be great food, practical teaching, and encouraging fellowship. The cost for the conference is $25, which will include dinner on Friday and a t-shirt. You can sign up by calling the church office or through the website. I wanted to let you know about our new Pray Give Go partner for this month. We're partnering with Journey Community Church, which is a church plant in Cincinnati. They do an amazing work there sharing the gospel with the Cincinnati area. So check your chronicles for more information of how we can pray, give, and go there. That's all the announcements I have for today. Here at FBC, our vision is that every person would desire God, be disciples, and devote themselves to serve. One way we are doing that this year is by doing a chronological reading plan as a church. Whether you've been on the plan with us from the beginning or if you're just hearing about it now, I'd encourage you to pick up where we are and commit to studying the Bible with us. If you'd like that plan, you can pick them up at the Welcome Center in the lobby outside of the sanctuary. I pray that this service would play a part in the vision and help you live for Christ in your day-to-day life.
Well, good morning, church. Thank you, choir. That was fun. It's good to see all the kids up singing this morning. Hey, uh, welcome to worship at First Baptist Church. If you're a guest here today, we're so grateful that God has led you to join us this morning. And uh, we have a blue card that's in your pew rack there. If you don't mind, grab one and just fill out this basic information of who you are. And, and uh, if there's anything we can do to serve you, we'd love to know how we can serve you well here today. On the back of that card, it says Watchman on the Wall Prayer Card. There's an opportunity for you to issue a, a fill, out, fill out a prayer request, put that in the offering plate today when it passes you. And uh, one of the things our, our church staff loves to do is on Mondays we get together and we pray. And, and we, we love that time. We love praying for you. And we'd like to pray very specifically for you. If there's somehow we can pray, let us know. We want to pray that way for you and uh, spend that time together in the morning lifting you up. If you want to make that public, as there's a place you can make it public there. We'll put it on our prayer watchman. And uh, that board goes out to several hundred people, and they'll be praying for you as well. If you want to keep it very private, just for your church pastors, we'll be, be glad to do that as well. We're glad you're here today, glad you're here for worship. We're going to have an awesome time this morning. So uh, i got a, I got some special guests here I want to present to you. So I'm going to call Zach and Hannah up, if y'all will, come on up to the stage. And over the last couple of weeks, you've had an opportunity to get to know this couple from a distance and uh, we've, we've had them in our print material, and our search committee has been working through the process. Personnel team has been uh, searching for youth pastor and college pastor for oh, several months now. And, and uh, we, we interviewed uh, through a lot of different resumes and through the process. We felt God leading us as a committee to, to Zach and Hannah. And I want to present them to you. You've seen them on paper. Now, yesterday you had a chance to come and meet them personally, and, and several of you did, and glad you got to, to be a part of that process. But uh, they didn't get to ask a lot of questions. And, and Zach, we, can, we really talked for hours, uh, days, and uh, we're going to sum it up to about, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> you can do it in 30 seconds. You need a microphone. Yes, you do, don't you? Give a preacher a mic, I bet it won't take 30 seconds. But let me ask you a question, Zach. Why don't you, uh, why don't you kind of tell the church body your, your call to ministry, how that, how that happened, and, and your specific call at this stage in your life? Uh, well, we, uh, I grew up in a, in a pastor's home, and, and God has always led me to serve the church. And so, uh, so my father was a pastor and, and grew up serving there. Um, as I was working in, in high school myself, God led me to... Uh, serve in my high school group and mentor some of the younger group uh, youth group members there. Um, as I exited high school, God very clearly called me to the ministry. And, um, and so I started pursuing music, and I served uh, as, as a minister of music. And, and as I was doing that, got an opportunity to work with youth, and God clearly called me to youth. And so uh, I've been working with youth uh, for six, seven, eight years now. Um, and in this most recent church that I've been serving at, I've been serving as a pastor of worship and students. I've had opportunities to work with the local BCM there in Dyersburg. And, uh, and God, through that, has clearly called me to work with college as well. And so, uh, so his calling on my life here in the, here in the recent years has been, has been very clear. And, and I'm excited about what God can do through me here in Cookville. 
That's awesome. We, uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do as well. And our first service this morning, we, we passed out ballots, and I and, uh, hope you got a ballot. But while we're talking, if, you, if you're a member of First Baptist and you don't have a ballot, if you would uh, raise your hand, the, the deacons are going to bring, bring you one, and, and you can cast that ballot uh, in just a moment here. But, uh, Zach, we're grateful that God's led you down this journey, and we've got to know you, and I'm grateful for the, the privilege to know you so far. And uh, one of the things that Zach, Zach's uh, wore a lot of hats where he is, and as, as many of us do in smaller church settings uh, where I served originally, uh, the first two churches, I wore a lot of different hats, and you have too. One of the things that Zach told us uh, that, that really just piqued my interest was that he's done a lot in ministry, and, and being able to play and sing music, play guitar and sing music is great, and it helps a lot when you can lead worship for youth groups too on sun, on uh, Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. But um, one of the things, he's just excited about being able to focus in uh, the specific areas of ministry of youth and college. So I, I'm grateful for that opportunity for you as well if the church uh, you know, calls you in that regard. So you have a choice as a church. You've heard what, you, what little bit you could this morning. Hopefully you've read some other things and, and been a part of the conversation uh, in a larger form. But uh, we have a ballot before you, and it's a yes-no ballot. And uh, if you would, at this time, if you would check those. I think the choir, most of the choir had one from earlier, but they're, they're covering that now. And, uh, but if you'll go ahead and check those and pass those to the center aisles, the deacons are going to take those up. And Greg Steves is our moderator. He's going to present back to us the results at the conclusion of our service. And, uh, Zach, I'm, I'm grateful to God to, to be able to enter into this, this possibility with you right now, Hannah. And uh, we'll continue prayerfully to walk through this time. And uh, we'll let you all know here as soon as we conclude. Thank you. Well, we're, uh, as I said, as we're pulling that together in these next few seconds here, getting collecting our votes, um, glad to be back with you. Been gone for uh, a couple of weeks here and uh, been on the other side of the world. And um, I'm still on the other side of the world. I hadn't got here yet. Physically, I'm here, but my brain still thinks I'm on the other side of the world. So it's uh, past dinner time and bedtime now for me. <laughs> so if I if I seem a little out of sorts, that could be what it is. Uh, but glad to be with you today, and, and grateful to God for men who who led last week uh, in in worship, Philip, and and for Mark and them them preaching and and sharing God's word. Looking forward to hearing Alex Fisher this morning. Uh, bring the word of God. Uh, had a great, great time in the first service, and love hearing my brother preach. And uh, looking forward to being minister too this morning, as you uh, as you bring the word, Alex. Uh, got your family with you today, and some friends, and glad they're here as well. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna stand together and sing here in just a second. They're almost through picking up all the ballots. Anybody got a ballot left that need to be picked up? We're in good shape then. Well, Greg, if you will come lead us, brother. You would go ahead and stand. We're going to join in uh, with what we heard earlier this morning. You had the adult choir, the student choir, and both kids' choirs singing, leading out in worship. And it was a, a joy to have all those groups up there uh, and just give it a, a great, I guess, wall of sound to the Lord. Um, so now I want you to join in and sing just as well uh, as we sing Crown Him with Many Crowns.
are to crown with our praise. So this morning as we sing, let your praise just go. Just, just be vulnerable before the Lord. Be real to Him and praise Him. Worship Him. He took a stand for us on the cross. And He died for your sins and took the place of you. Have you ever thought of that? That He is what keeps God's wrath from just destroying us, from annihilating us. It's because of the price He paid at Calvary. So this morning as we continue on to this next song called The Stand, just sing from your heart and allow yourself to take a stand for Him and worship Him this morning.
prayer that all that we are, all that encompasses who we are, Lord, is yours. Lord, may that be the prayer of each and every person that is here today, Lord. I don't know where we come from, what walks of life, what we've gone through this week. But, God, in this moment where we're gathered together, and, Lord, we know that you're here in the presence of us, we just pray that we would find it within ourselves to surrender to you, Lord, that a passion for you would bubble up in our hearts. And, God, that we would surrender ourselves and say that all that we have is yours. Lord, you call us to be holy. And, and so often we, we fall short of that. But I pray that, that in giving ourselves to you and being all that we are, being yours, Lord, that we would find that following you, reading your word, uh, Lord, we become holy. Not because of anything we do, but because we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, speak to our hearts now as, as Alex comes to, to preach. Uh, Lord, may the message he delivers touch our hearts right where you want us. Uh, and God, change our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How are you all doing? Go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. My name is Alex Fisher. I'm the uh, interim pastor of Youth and College here at First Baptist. And really thankful to be with you this morning. I told the first service, you know, I think... God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's relevant for us today. And even a book like Leviticus that, I mean, honestly, let's be real, it's kind of hard to understand sometimes. Even Leviticus is extremely relevant for us today. So I hope you've been going through the reading plan with us um, that we're doing as a church, reading through the Bible chronologically this year. And we're done with Leviticus. We're, we're moving forward. But I just want to encourage you, when, when we look at the book of Leviticus, it's easy to kind of get caught up in some obscure laws and, and try to figure out what those mean. But what the book of Leviticus is really about is God providing a manual or a handbook for the people of Israel to know how to have and live a holy life and have holy worship. That's what the whole book is about. And so for us, we think, well, that's great for the people of Israel. But what I want to talk to us about today is that God has called us as the people of God to a standard of holiness, just like he called the people of Israelites to a standard of holiness. Now, standards are, are not abnormal to us. Um, I know like if you're in school, your professors will set standards for you. They'll give you like an exam that you have to pass to pass the class. That's a standard. They set a standard for you. Another example would be like a sports team, like a coach will set a standard for the player to kind of um, strive towards so they can improve. Another example would be maybe your boss at work has set a standard or a goal for you to accomplish. But the idea is like someone setting a standard for us as people, that's so normal to us. Yet for some reason when we approach God, the fact that he has set a standard for us, we're kind of repulsed by that. We think, how could God tell us to do anything? Well, my, my quick response would be, who are we to tell God what he can and can't do? But he has set a standard for us. So my main point for today, so if you're going to check out the rest of the time, I don't suggest doing that. You should pay attention. But if you're going to check out, here's, here's the main point, the big idea you need to get. Knowing a holy God compels us to live a holy life. Knowing a holy God compels us to live a holy life. So as our knowledge of God grows, as we understand more about who He is as God, our personal holiness and our devotion to Him should grow as well. But I think the problem is, a lot of us here, we know a lot of things about God, like we've heard the Bible, we've read the Bible, but our personal devotion to Him and our holiness has not grown. 
But what I'm, what I'm telling you today is that knowing a holy God should compel us to grow in our own personal holiness. So, why don't we stand and read Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the entire Israelite community, and tell them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, um, for communicating who you are to us, what you expect of us as your people. The fact that you revealed yourself to us is, is incredible, and it's a grace that we, we simply just don't deserve. So, Father, I pray that um, I would stay faithful to the text, um, that I would not try to speak my opinions, but, Father, that everything that is said will be grounded in your word. I pray that we would not be distracted from the things going on outside of this room, but that we would be solely focused on your word and on nothing else. Father, this time is important. I pray that you would speak to people's hearts, not because of me, but in spite of me as a broken man. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So, here's my first point today. Know the holy God. Know the holy God. In order for us to live holy lives, we have to actually know the holy God. Now, this is an idea we've been talking about a lot with the students on Wednesday nights. You can't obey a God you don't know. You cannot obey a God you don't know. I mean, look at Leviticus 19. It says, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. We are called to emulate God's holiness. You can't copy someone that you don't know. I think sometimes we get the idea in church that studying God, studying theology, studying the Bible, that's something that is kind of reserved for maybe pastors or Sunday school teachers or deacons, the professionals, (laughs) if you will. But 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable. And so when we choose to kind of outsource our knowledge of God to professionals, we are missing out on the profit that Scripture can bring to our own individual lives. And so the first step in being able to live a holy life is that we individually, as the body of Christ, in our own lives, have to study who God is. We have to know who God is. And I can just speak to you from personal experience, like spending time in the Word of God has completely changed my life. And it will change yours as well because it is living and active. See, you have to seek God. You have to know who He is and study Him. But if we're going to emulate His holiness, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is holiness? I mean, if you're reading the Bible with us, it's everywhere, right? It's a huge topic. Honestly, we could probably talk about it the rest of the day and skip lunch. That'd be cool. But uh, we're not going to do that. What is God's holiness? The uh, theologians I read about this kind of split it up into two different categories. The first one is purity. God's holiness is his purity. You see, God is completely pure in everything. There is no sin in him. He has done no wrong. God is completely pure. There is no one more pure than he is. But not only is God completely pure, God is the standard of our purity. He's the standard of our purity. Now, think with me just for a second about this. If culture or society is our standard of purity, that standard will constantly be shifting back and forth. As we read forward in the Bible and look at the book of Judges, kind of a repeating phrase through there is that the people did what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, the standard of morality was constantly shifting back and forth. And so if we, as the people of God, look to the culture to see what is right and wrong, we're going to be led astray very quickly because people are fickle and culture is fickle. And so what's right today might be wrong tomorrow, and what's wrong today might be right tomorrow. So what do we do then? God is the standard of our purity. 
God is the standard of what is right and wrong. So part of God's holiness is his purity. And God's standard for purity is unchanging. We have the same standard for purity now that he had for the Israelites back in the day. So, God's purity. His second one is God's separateness. His holiness is his separateness. You see, he has separated himself from sin. Any time in the Bible when unholy people have approached a holy God, what happens to them? They're destroyed. Well, think about like a few chapters ago with Aaron's sons. What happened to them? They were destroyed. Think about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 when unholy people approached a holy God. What happened? They were destroyed. And what this shows us is that God's holiness is a serious thing. And that he separates himself from sin. And those who are sinful that approach him are completely wrecked. They're destroyed. But this, I think, is why Jesus is so significant and why we have to ground this idea of living a holy life in the gospel. Because Jesus, what did he do? He dined with sinners. He healed sinners. And then he eventually died for sinners. You see, because of our sin and because of God's holiness, there's this wall of hostility that is put up between us and God. But because of what Christ did, that wall of hostility is now abolished because of the payment he did on the cross. So, God's holiness is his separateness. He separates himself from sin. And if sin comes in contact with him, God destroys whatever that sin, whoever is carrying that sin. So that's what God's holiness is, kind of in a nutshell. Like I said, we could talk about it for a lot longer, but that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. Um, But when it comes to knowing God, I think it's important we know that God actually wants us to know him. If he didn't want us to know him, he would have never given us the Bible. But he did. He revealed himself through Scripture of who he was and what he um, requires of us to do. You know, I think we kind of get this idea sometimes that God is some kind of far-off deity that we cannot know personally. That's not true at all. I know God. Christians here know God. We don't just know about God or believe things about him. Knowledge of just knowing, just simply knowledge about God is is not what's going to save you. We know God personally. He wants you to know him, not just know about him. He's not far off. He's near. He's near. And we know that because one scripture says it, but he has given us his word to know that he's near. So when we study who, how holy God is, ultimately it should lead us to a point of surrender. Because what happens when I see the holiness of God on display, it magnifies the sin in my own life. And that should lead me to a point of surrender, which is my second point, surrender to the holy God. We have to surrender to the holy God. Look back at Leviticus 19, verse 2. It says, Speak to the entire Israelite community. That includes everybody. That includes all of us. You see, under the new covenant, we as Christians have been adopted into the family of God through Christ's blood. We were purchased and grafted into the people of God. So you could translate Leviticus 19.2 here to say, Speak to all the Christians. Speak to all of God's people and tell them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. God has called all of us to holiness. If you're a Christian, no one is exempt from this call. But like I said, the holiness of God, it brings conviction on us. When we actually know who he is, when we know what he has commanded us to do, it shows our own sin. I kind of think of it this way. How many of you know the store Ulta? That's over by like Publix and, okay, the makeup store. Yes, I know the makeup store. Every now and then, my wife will take me to Ulta. It's not my favorite store. (laughs) 
But in Ulta, they have these huge mirrors all around Ulta that have these super bright lights on them. I mean, they're like the power of the sun. They are so bright. And when you go up to one of those mirrors, it magnifies your face and shows you all the imperfections and the blemishes on your face. I never realized how bad my face looked until I looked in one of those. (laughs) But that light shows the imperfections. And it's the same thing with God's holiness. When we study how holy and perfect God is, it shows us our sinfulness. It shows us where we have fallen short and the imperfection in our life. And there's consequences to that. There's consequences to us being unholy and to... um, and breaking God's standard that He has given us. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So what we deserve is eternal destruction. I mean, think if we deserve like what happened to Aaron's sons when they approached God and were killed. We deserve what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they were killed. That's what we all deserve. Because we have broken the commands of a holy God. Why is that fair that that happens? Well, one theologian said, God's holiness... God's holiness is the foundation of His judgment. God's holiness is the foundation of His judgment. Because He is so holy, no sin can be left unaccounted for. Because He is so pure, no sin can be overlooked. God's holiness is the foundation of His judgment. So how do we respond then? Because we're all in the same boat. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broke um, this standard. So what do we do? Well, Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am the Lord your God, so you must consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. So what does God tell the people of Israel to do? He says, consecrate yourselves. Now what does consecrate mean? It means to declare or, or excuse me, to make or declare sacred or holy, to set apart or devote to the service or worship of God. So it's to say to God, I am all yours. Every part of my life is now yours. Another way we could think about this is surrender. The right response to God's holiness is for us to surrender to what he has commanded us to do. And the reason I like the word surrender is because when you make a commitment, you can kind of like go back on that commitment later. Or kind of like only commit a portion of yourself. But when we surrender, we are surrendering everything to God. When we consecrate ourselves before Him, we are saying our lives are yours. You could also say we're writing God a blank check with our lives and saying whatever you want to do is what I'm going to do. Part of being a Christian, part of following Christ means that we live a holy life even when it's not convenient. That's going to cost us. It's hard to live a holy life. It's easier in the moment to just... Go along with what the world is doing. But we're called to consecrate ourselves before God and devote our lives to Him and live a holy life. And I think a lot of people sometimes, they want to like keep one foot in the pool of the world and the other foot and like try to like follow God at the same time. That's not possible. Because the world and God are opposed. They don't go together at all. You can't serve two masters. So you have to choose, are you going to serve God and consecrate your life before Him? Or are you going to continue serving this world? And I can tell you too, just from experience, um, from my own life and from seeing other people, when you choose to follow the world, the cost of that is much greater than living in holiness. So we need to consecrate our lives before God. We're choosing to follow Him for the remainder of our existence here on this earth. You know, consecration is not something that just happens once. We don't just kind of, you know, consecrate ourselves and never think about it again or never try to learn about God. Consecration is something that happens every single day in our lives. 
We have to wake up each day and bear our cross, which means to sacrifice our flesh, sacrifice the things we want, and devote ourselves to God. It's a daily choice that we make as Christians to consecrate ourselves before Him. Which brings me to my third point, and this is really where I want to camp the rest of the time, which is follow the Holy God. We have to follow the Holy God. When we come face to face with God's holiness, it will ultimately change how we live. Yes, it'll bring conviction on us, but it should compel us to live differently than we did before. One commentator said that every biblical statement about God carries with it an implied demand upon men to imitate Him in daily living. In this way, there can be no divorce between ethics and theology. So what he is saying is there can be no separation between what we think about God and how we live. Because what you think about God, what we think about God as people will ultimately dictate how we live. If you have a low view of God's holiness, you're going to continue sinning. If you have a low view of God's sovereignty and care over you, you are going to be anxious. You tracking? If you think God is changes and can change his mind all of the time, you're, you might end up doubting things in your life you don't need to doubt. But what we do when that happens is we look straight at Scripture and remind ourselves who God really is. When we know the Holy God, it brings, for me, hope and joy into my life. We have to follow the Holy God. But what we believe about God will ultimately then change how we live. Like I said, it's easy for us to know things about God, but it's a lot harder to apply those to our life, isn't it? Y'all must be a lot more holier than I am. <laughs> They're perfect. Here's the reality, guys. I mean, it's tough. It's easy to come to church and hear the word preached. It's easy to go to a Sunday school class and hear something taught. It's a lot harder to go live it outside these walls. It's safe here in the church. It's harder out there. But we're called to follow Christ everywhere in every single facet of our lives. Knowing about God's holiness intellectually, just knowing facts is not enough. We have to imitate Him in our daily life. Showing that we know who he really is. James 1, 22 through 25 is one of my favorite passages. Uh, James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away immediately, and forgets what kind of person he was. Think back to the Ulta illustration. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it and is not forget, a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, that person will be blessed in what he does. So the person who reads the Bible, applies it to their life, and then goes and does it, that person will be blessed in what he does. Now, I'm just going to hone in just for a second on this last phrase. Blessed in what he does. That does not mean you're going to get the Ferrari or the nicest house on the block. That's not the kind of blessing this is talking about. Following God, applying His Word to our life, and doing it brings something that is way more beneficial than a nice car or a nice house. And that's joy and peace and freedom in our life, knowing that we are living the way God has called us to. So then, what does it mean to live a holy life? What does it look like to actually live out God's holiness as we've been commanded to in Leviticus? Well, think back to what we talked about God's holiness being. One was His purity. How can we emulate God's purity in our lives? And just ask yourself this question. What sin are you allowing in your life? Just think about it. What sin are you allowing in your life? What kind of habitual, constant sin are you just letting um, rule you and have control over you? 
something I hear a lot of people say, um, and I've been guilty of this myself, is to say, well, I'm really struggling with this sin, or, man, this sin really had victory over me today, or I slipped up. Those things are true. But you've already won victory over your sin. Like Christ purchased your victory on the cross. And so what we have to realize as people is, yes, we're going to struggle, but the battle's already been won. If we would just live in the victory and the grace that Christ has given us, it would be a lot easier to overcome the sin in our life and live a holy life before Him. And so we have to emulate God's purity. Ask yourself, what sin are you allowing in your life? Um, one of my favorite quotes uh, is, Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be actively killing your sin or sin will act, is actively trying to kill you. Think back to Cain and Abel. Right before Cain went to go kill Abel, what did God tell him? Sin is a monster and it's crouching outside your door. It's going to devour you. You can't control sin. I can't control sin. It's a monster, and it seeks to destroy your life. If we're going to emulate God's holiness, if we're going to be holy as our God is holy, we have to be pure. We have to be actively killing the sin in our lives. Then the second area was God's separateness. God's separateness is holy being His separateness. I just ask you, are you allowing the impurity of this world to inundate who you are as a person? Are you allowing the things of this world to take over your mind? Are you just consuming the trash that this world has constantly? A, a really good test for this is ask yourself, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you talking about? What jokes are you making? Are you watching shows for entertainment that make light of the things that God hates? Are you listening to things that are obviously solely about the sinfulness of this world and finding entertainment in those things? That's not what God has called us to. He's called us to be set apart from the world. He's called us as Christians to be different, not to take in the same junk this world is consuming. So how do we do that, though? I mean, what, do we, how, what steps do we put in place to do that? Well, there's an awesome book called Pilgrim's Progress by a guy named John Bunyan. One of my favorite books. It's really good. But in this book, it's, it's, the whole thing is an allegory for the Christian life. And this guy named Christian, ironically, is working towards the celestial city. He's walking on a path up to the celestial city, which is representative of heaven. And what the whole book is about is the Christian life and things that he's learning on his journey. And one place he stops with his friend Faithful is they have to walk through this town called Vanity. And in Vanity, they have a fair called Vanity Fair year-round. It's always going on. And here are some things that happen at Vanity Fair. Also to be seen here at Vanity Fair, and at no charge, are the worst kinds of thefts, murderers, adulteries, and those who perjure themselves by giving false testimony. So at no charge, these pilgrims could partake in the things of this world, seemingly at no charge. It would cost them later. That sounds really similar to our culture today, doesn't it? It is seemingly free for us as people to partake in the immorality of this world. It's easy. With things like technology and just the readiness of the sin that our world has, it's seemingly very easy to just go right along with what the world is doing. But I'll tell you and I'll warn you, the things of this world, while they might be free to consume, they will cost you later. And they'll cost you more than you ever thought you were going to pay. So what do, what do a Christian and his friend Faithful do? As they're walking through the city, they put their fingers in their ears and cry, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. I wonder, would we have the same response if we were walking through Vanity Fair? A fair that promotes immorality and all kinds of sin. Would we have the same response? Would we plug our ears and cry, Please turn my, way, my eyes away from worthless things? 
I hope we would. But realistically, how a lot of us approach the things of the world is we kind of wonder, like, how close can we get to the world without sinning? How far can we go before we're really going to get in trouble? That's not the mentality of someone who's living a holy life. The mentality of someone who desires to live a holy life after God is going to plug their ears and cry, turn my eyes away from the worthless things that this world has to offer. Now, if I was in your shoes and I was hearing this message, I would probably feel a huge weight building on my shoulders. Maybe this is you right now and you're like, man, I know I need to be living a holy life, but I just keep messing up. Like, I don't know what to do. And a burden starts to form. And I I just want to encourage you, we're going to ground this idea of holiness in the gospel and what Christ has done for us. If we look at John 15, verse 4, Christ says, Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. We cannot live a holy life apart from the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's impossible. If we try to white-knuckle it through our sin and just try really hard not to sin, we're just going to keep living the same way we have always been living. So we have to ask ourselves then, how can we remain in Christ? How can we actively abide in Him? It goes right back to what we've been talking about this whole time. We have to know Him. We have to know Him. We have to know His Word. We have to seek after Him and get as close to Him as we possibly can. Here's here's an interesting thing I've noticed in my life. The less time I spend in the Word, the more I'm going to sin. And that's because I have stopped relying on the grace that God has given me and stopped relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've started trying to take things into my own hands. And what my own hands produce is sin all of the time. We have to remain in Christ because just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you produce fruit unless you remain in Christ. You will not be able to live a holy life unless you first remain in Christ. The next thing is when it comes to following the holy God, we have to understand that we need to apply the word of God to our lives. We have to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. There's a really interesting point with this, which is repentance. You see, when we apply the Word and we see God's holiness, what that's going to ultimately cause us to do is see our sin, and the next response should be repentance. But how a lot of Christians tend to repent is they say, like, okay, so let's say you mess up and you sin, and then you go to God and you say, oh, I'm sorry, God, I won't do this again. And then what happens the next day? You go right back to it. That's right. That's just how we are as people. We're creatures of habit. And so when we're stuck in a sin, simply saying, I'm sorry, God, and then going right back to the same kind of way of living is going to cause you to do that sin again. What repentance actually means is that we change the way of life, the way we are living, so that we no longer do that sin. Here's an example, and it's kind of a bold example, but it's very realistic in our time today. If you're looking at things you should not look at on the Internet, repentance is not just trying to not look at those things. Repentance is putting a filter on your computer or getting accountability or putting a sledgehammer through your laptop. And I'll come help you. We'll destroy your laptop or your phone. What's really interesting is is that in our modern time, it's easier to look at things you should look at on the Internet than it is to get up and get a glass of water. The reality of that should cause us to be diligent to live a holy life before God. Now, I'm not promoting like a woe is me mentality that we should all go live in a cave in Sparta and stay away from the rest of the world. 
That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that we as a people of God have to look at the reality of the situation, that this world is opposed to God, and we need to resolve within ourselves based on the gospel and the grace that God has given us to live holy lives before the Lord. And that's hard to do, but it's what God has commanded us to do. So what I would suggest doing and what, what, I, what I think Scripture teaches is to use the Bible, use Scripture as a mirror in your life. Just like how when I would walk into Ulta and I would like glance in that mirror and see how bad my face looks. <laughs> when we look at Scripture, we see how sinful we are. But what's awesome is in the Bible, when we see how sinful we are, we see the law that we've broken, what comes right alongside that is the gospel and how Christ has redeemed us. 1 John 1, nine says that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I really like about that verse is He is faithful to forgive you. He will do it. But He's also just to forgive you. Because God's holy and there's a payment required. And Christ came and paid that payment. So God is faithful and just. The payment of your sin has been paid for by Christ. He's faithful to forgive you. He's just to forgive you. And it doesn't stop there. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Ultimately, we won't live holy lives as the people of God if we are corporately not grounded on the Word and individually grounded on the Word. We have to be a people that seek after God in His Word and seek to know Him. So how do we bring all of this together then? Well, the call of holiness, it applies to everybody. It applies to you, it applies to me, it applies to everybody. No one is exempt from this. John fourteen fifteen says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we say we love God, if we say we really are born-again Christians, the right response is a holy life. The right response is a holy life. Knowing a holy God, if we say we actually know Him, that should compel us to um, kill the sin in our life, repent and walk in the new life that Christ has given us. I want to close by looking at 1 Peter um, chapter 1, if you want to flip there. This, I think, really kind of summarizes the book of Leviticus really well for us. So go ahead and flip to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, keep in mind, be killing sin, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. So don't go back to the way you were living before. But as the one who called you is holy... You also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Huh, that sounds exactly like what we're reading. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but, catch this, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. See the connection to like Leviticus here with the unblemished and spotless lamb? He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. 
Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your hope and your faith are in God. So here's the idea, guys. Christ has purchased us with his blood. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. And so if we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be people who love God, who have consecrated our lives before him and surrendered everything we are to God, we simply don't have the right to tell God how we're going to live. We don't have the right to continue sinning in the same sin all of the time. We don't have the right to tell God this is what we're going to do because we have surrendered all we are to God. And the only response acceptable in that scenario is complete obedience to Him. Now, we have to include grace with that. You see, what every other world religion will tell you is that you have to work to earn God's favor. You have to do these certain things or live a certain way to earn God's grace. That's not what we believe at all. See, as Christians, we frame this whole idea of holiness, we ground this in the gospel by saying, we work from having been changed already through Christ. We don't work to earn God's favor. It's already been given to us because there is one who was holy in our place. And so here's what I want to encourage you with today, to leave you with. What is your next step to walk in holiness? What do you need to do in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and grounded on the Word of God to walk in holiness? For some of you, it might be that you need to surrender your life to God for the first time today. The reality is we've all sinned, we've all, all fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that sin, because of the wall of hostility built between us and God that we put there because of our sin, we're all in desperate need of a Savior, and Christ came and lived the life we should have lived and died the death that we deserved so that we could ultimately be reconciled back to the Father. So Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And that confession, that confess Him as Lord, yes, that's verbal, but what we're really doing is surrendering all we are to Christ. We are consecrating ourselves before Him. So there's some of you here today that that's your step, your next step to walk in holiness. It's to surrender your life to God. For others of you, you need to destroy your laptop or whatever your equivalent is of that. There's a sin that has been holding on to you that you just have not completely repented of. You've tried in your own power. You've tried just to white-knuckle it through that sin, but I'm telling you, it won't work. Change the way you're living so you won't go continue doing that sin. Kill sin or sin will be killing you. Maybe for some of you, you need to seek to actually know God more. You have to spend time in His Word, discipline yourself in His Word and in prayer. Maybe that's your step in holiness. And a great way to start doing that, if you're like, I've never read the Bible before, you're in the right place because we're reading through the Bible as a church together. And so just walk right out there to the Welcome Center and grab a plan and start with us tomorrow morning. Start with us this afternoon. Just get in the Word, start, and we'll help you. That's why we're doing it as a church together so we can go through this as a corporate body. So discipline yourself in the Word. But then others of you, like we've talked primarily about the individual um, part of this in Leviticus 19. But if you look at verse 2, it says entire Israelite community. As in we are corporately supposed to be a holy people consecrated before the Lord. So some of you, what you need to do based on this message is join the church. You need to devote yourself and commit yourself to a body of believers that's striving after God's holiness. The other side of that, though, is some of you have joined the church and your members, and that's awesome. But simply coming and sitting on a pew once a month, that's not really being part of the church. 
You see, there's so much joy. There's so much... I, I, just, I love being a part of the body of Christ. And so I would encourage you, if that's you, and you're kind of nominally involved, decide to get involved in the church. Go join a small group. Go join a discipleship group. Um, get, get plugged in serving somewhere. Those kinds of things aid us in our ability to walk in holiness because we know we're not doing this alone. It's not just an individualistic effort that we are trying to do in our own power, but God has given us these people around us to walk towards this goal together. So my prayer is that we as a church, we would consecrate ourselves before the Lord corporately, but also individually, and that in your life you would strive after God's holiness. Like I said, the cost of not doing that is much greater than the cost of living holy lives. But there is a cost to living a holy life. Sometimes you're not going to get to do the things you want to do. You're not going to get to partake in all the same things that the world is doing. But those things, they're going to pass away. They're going to go away. They won't last. Set your, set your eyes on something that will, and that's living a holy life before the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into an invitation. The pastors will be here at the front. If you have questions or anything, we, you know, decisions that you want advice about or counsel about, please come talk to us. Um, but during the invitation, I'd encourage you, Take a moment and really think, what is that next step for you? What is that sin that you need to get rid of? What is that um, choice you need to make to walk forward in holiness? Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's actually go be doers of the word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace on our lives. When we look at a message on holiness, it just shows how inadequate we are as your people to do that. But God, it's only by the blood of your Son, the payment that he, he did on the cross, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we have any hope to be molded more into your image. But Father, you promise that as we grow in you, as we grow in our understanding of you and applying your word to our lives, that our holiness will grow too, that you will mold us into your image. And so I pray that would be true for us as a church, for us individually, um, that we'll be focused on your word. Um, and repent of the sin in our life and walk in the newness of life that you've given us through Christ. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.
Alex, good job, brother. We appreciate you. We're just praying God's blessings and directions as you continue in the ministry. Appreciate you, brother. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Fathers, I bow in your presence now as we think about your holiness and your righteousness, Lord. I, I realize that I'm unworthy to even bow in your presence. But, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ, that interceded on our behalf, that, Lord, we can come before you not only as a holy God, but as a loving Father. And knowing, Lord, that you love us, you know what's going on, you care what's going on in our lives. And our prayer this day, Lord, as your word has been shared, that there won't be anyone that would leave here that doesn't experience the presence and peace of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you for your Son this day, Father. And now as we come down this part of the service, Lord, to take up this offering, Lord, trust that you bless it as we give back a portion of what you've blessed us with, Lord, that we can use it for the spreading of the gospel, not only here in Cookville, but throughout the world. We just praise you and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Cincinnati, we uh, did a VBS for the Journey Community Church where all the kids from the YMCA and different kids from the community came and we just taught them about Jesus and we showed them love that they probably don't get every single day like that. I think church planning is important because I think that that's God's plan to reach cities and that's exactly what Sean is doing in Cincinnati. I learned that it takes a lot of work to set up a church and there are more people that are needed and we should go and do more to help out other churches. In Cincinnati, I think the Lord really just renewed my focus on praying for church plants um, and partners, just not just in Cincinnati, but um, across our state, across our nation. and really like across the world um, going there and seeing the work that is being done just really made me realize that there's so much more going on in this country and this world than just what's happening here in Cookville. I think it's important that First Baptist partners with Journey Community Church because they're a smaller church, but they're a really good church. And through our partnership and our giving and going and everything that we're doing with them, we can help them out and help them grow and impact their area. Um, well, Journey in Cincinnati, they're like the plug to the community. Like so many missionaries can go up there and do like a one-week trip, but they're not there year-round, and Journey is there year-round to keep like encouraging those people to come to church 
or to just come hang out with them and like be a good neighbor and share Jesus with them throughout the year and not just like for one week a year. FBC should partner with Journey Community Church because good things are happening there. Sean has such a heart for that city and such a heart for just reaching lost people. Um, If we can be a part of that, man, I can't see why we wouldn't. Community Church is our partnership that we're highlighting